I believe in, in straight talk for self-pitying sluggards. Um, I believe there's times to, to be hardcore and, uh, and, and, and very in-your-face and dogmatic and so forth, but I also think there's a time to uh, comfort those who are hurting. And um, I think that tonight is one of those times. And I want us to go through some Bible verses. Now, these are verses that you have heard. If you've been saved for any length of time, you've been walking with the Lord, you will probably have heard these verses. I put them here uh, to help you in two ways. Number one, to help, help you uh, remember the important words uh, certain words that we're going to focus on. All the words are important, but some of the words that we'll focus on, I want you to see those. And then secondly, rather than worrying about missing them um, and trying to write them down, I want you to, to be able to have those there. There's so many verses we could have talk, uh, talked through tonight, but I want, to, I want to preach to you tonight on hope for the hurting. And uh, we have a lot of folks, um, our church is made up of a lot of humans, and um, as most churches are, a lot of churches are made up of humans. Some are more on the, you know, robot area, but AI, you know. But humans, they, we struggle with, with common problems. Uh, there's a lot of folks here tonight that are struggling with health difficulties or have been. And uh, physical. Some struggling with mental difficulties. How many of you realize that they taught you to brush your teeth, but they didn't always teach you to clean your thoughts the way you should have, um, to give you the right exercise. You found you have habits that have developed over the years that are debilitating to you. And, uh, you know, you may eat properly and, and, and exercise right, but, but mentally you're worn down. There's some folks here tonight that are in financial struggles, and maybe their financial woes that you've created doesn't make it any easier. Uh, maybe it's something that happened to you. Uh, there's folks that are struggling here tonight with relationship problems, either in their family or their friends, and there's a strain there that has created um, a lot of burden, a stress that you carry. Uh, some are concerned about the uh, politics, uh, and I'm typically not one of those, but it is a real concern for some people, um, uh, and uh, it's, it's not me just because I'm kind of a, if we can't do anything about it, let's stop talking about it type of a guy. But that's not necessarily the only way to be. There's some here tonight that are greatly burdened down by that. Um, some of you are struggling at work, your vocation. Uh, the people at work or just maybe the concept of work in general bothers you. I don't know. Um, but, but, but seriously, the relationships at work and knowing that, you know, the Bible talks about uh, masters and servants. And uh, we have those today. And so maybe it is a it, it, it looks to you as a, a ball and chain when you go to work or there's a, a massive problem looming there you can't get away from. Um, and there there are some that are struggling through the loss of a loved one. Uh, some people struggle over the, the, the potential loss of a loved one. And uh, those are all things that that are generally speaking external difficulties and challenges that we struggle with. And as I mentioned, there's also the, there's the self-doubt, there's the self-condemnation, bad mental habits that we form. And these things take up a lot. I don't know about you, I'm almost always inside of my body. And uh, sometimes I go to sleep and I don't know where I am, and I thank God for those times. But when I'm awake and conscious, um, I, I have patterns of thought and, and, and it can be a weight in our lives as humans. It can be a great difficulty. And we have to learn. Some people are, you know, get up and run through the wall. Uh, get up and break something. Get up and make something. And, and certainly there's an answer there. But after you make things 10 days in a row and then you still feel the same on the 11th day, it can start to wear you down. Water wears away the stones, just like the stairs leading up on the leaning tower of Pisa. There's actually... Uh, stone stair, stairs that over 500 years have two grooves where feet have gone up and down. And sometimes our mind, sometimes our heart feels that way. Uh, it, it's just because of living in this body for so many days and months and years and decades, you start to feel that uh, perhaps you are just who you are. Maybe God just made you 
to be uh, a burden bearer, someone who is weighed down. And I want to encourage you tonight in the Word of God. What we're going to see is some verses that you have already known, but I want you to, I want you to reapply them tonight as a believer. I want you to look at them through the eyes of faith, trusting in your God, and see if He will strengthen your heart tonight. Let's begin by going to Joshua chapter 1. And I love to talk about context But tonight, we're not going to do a lot of context. We're going to take verses that apply together, but it's more of a topical message. So bear with me, and we will look at verses I believe will encourage your heart. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9. Here is Moses speaking to Joshua, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. There's a command that's given to Joshua to be strong. How can you be strong when you're weak? How can you say, I'm just going to stand up and face the world? You can. You can but only for a short length of time. Here's here's what Moses told Joshua, and it applies to us. You, I'm talking to you, be strong. You, be of a good courage. You, be not afraid. You, don't be dismayed. It's like saying, can you do, do you have the, the capability of doing this? No, I cannot. I am dismayed. Normally, I may be able to do that, but not today. I am dismayed. But he's telling him, do this, do this, do this. And what, what is the reason why he can attempt this? Why can he have strength and courage? How is it possible for him not to be afraid? Here's the answer. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Believer, let that sink into your heart tonight. God is with me. Not not one day I will see God, and yes, that's true face to face. Not I've seen what God has done in my life, and that's also important to have. Remember the memories? Here's, Here's how you can be strong and of good courage tonight. God is with me. He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He said, I don't feel like God is with me. It's not a matter of what you and I feel like. It's a matter of what he said. He said, the Lord thy God is with thee. It's a step of faith, isn't it? Where are you? I can't see you, God. It's okay. I'm here. When a child gets upset, At night, he's screaming and crying and saying, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. Very often, a parent will come to that child, will hold that child, and will say, I'm here. It's okay. I'm here. Have you ever been left by yourself? When you're left by yourself, you realize how inadequate you are, how weak you are, how scared you are. But if you can recognize that God is with, it doesn't make everything better. If he had, if you, if you, if it made everything better, he wouldn't have to tell you, be strong. Be of a good courage. Remember, look at the verse he said, the Lord thy God not will be with thee when you get strength, when you have courage. The Lord will be with you when you're, when you stop being afraid of everything and man up. And own your circumstances, the Lord will be with you. No. He said, you can be strong right now. You can have courage right now. You can get rid of your fear right now because God is with you. What a blessing. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 8. I don't know who this would apply to, but it certainly applied to a prophet named Jeremiah. Perhaps you've been burdened or you have been commissioned with a difficult message. 
in your family or in your workplace. Jeremiah is standing against his nation. He's been given a commission to go to a hard-headed, stiff-necked nation. He was a young man, a young prophet, and the Lord admonished him, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Normally, I would be afraid of these people's faces, but I don't have to be afraid of their faces. I don't have to be afraid of the response of other people in my life, whether that be my children, whether that be my sister, my in-laws, the people at work, the, the, the lost people that I'm trying to reach or the people that I stand against for the cause of Christ, whatever it might be, you don't have to be afraid. Why? God said to Jeremiah, I am with thee to deliver thee. Psalm 23, back to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. He says in chapter 23, verse number 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, someone said, I think, well, that God doesn't bring anything to you that he won't help you go through. God did not bring you to this unless he intends to bring you through this. All right, now I don't know how long that valley is, and I don't think that it's just a valley that is just any normal valley. It's a valley of the shadow of death. It's a scary place. And he said, I'm going to walk through it, and I don't have to be afraid. That's unusual. It's unusual to see someone go through the valley of the shadow of death with no fear. The only way you can do it is recognizing his presence. He said, thou art with me. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. The strength of a Christian is not found in his mastering of disciplines. We master disciplines simply because we want to keep our flesh down. Keep our flesh down for what? so that we can better commune with our God. Our flesh fails. Our heart fails. But God is the strength of our heart. God is the one that allows us to do what no human can do. And how does he do it? He doesn't do it through me being a better Christian. The only reason why my discipline of prayer, of fasting, of any of these things, is not to get better. It's to put my flesh down. To stay, put myself in a place where God is important to me. He's always important, but sometimes my flesh doesn't think he is. And so I have to keep myself down, not so that I become better. This is what happens in religion. People think, well, I'm going I'm to be an on-fire Christian. The further you get away from the sufficiency of God himself, the more religious you are becoming, perhaps, but the less godly you are. You have to recognize you can't do it. Have you felt that this week or this month? I just can't do this. You're in an excellent spot. I don't say that with with any kind of irony or happiness. It's just the truth. When you know you can't do it, then you can trust God who can. And in a sense, you can be thankful for such difficult times. Because when life is is, is wonderful and the sun is shining, it's harder to trust in a God. God, I'm doing fine as I am. To add him on top of that seems superfluous. But when you recognize, I don't have anything but you, God, then you begin to see how wonderful he is. Let's go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light, and my salvation, whom shall I fear? My light and my salvation. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Light. 
The Lord is the strength of my life. He doesn't, he's not strengthening my life. He is the strength of my life. Do you see the difference? He said, of whom shall I be afraid? One follows the other. The, the question is, it's, it's a statement in the form of a question. I don't have to be afraid of anyone. Who are you afraid of? Who, 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 here's another way to think of it. Whose love are you afraid that you're going to lose? Whose respect, whose investment in your life are you afraid to lose? You don't have to be afraid of that. Whose presence in your life? Whose dominance in your life? Any man or woman who has that kind of influence in us and in our lives has the ability to make us afraid. But here the psalmist said, no, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And as a result, I don't need another power source. He is my power source. He's the one that's providing for me. My wife and I were talking to, to the builder uh, in our house, and thank you for, many of you have asked, and, and, uh, and I appreciate that. We're making progress. We're down to the uh, dugout uh, place for the new foundation, and we're ready to start pouring the, you know, the walls and everything. We're excited about that. But uh, he was talking about you know, what happens in the event of a power loss. He said, well, there's a couple different things you can do. You can do a whole house generator system, and that's fairly expensive. You can do just a generator that powers a couple things. Or he said, you can take a 220 outlet, and he said, you can feed power back into the house through a generator, and make sure you turn the power off to the house so that you're not conflicting between the power company and your generator. But you're, you can feed that back in, and he said, you can use it for you know, a few things here or there, uh, sump pump, refrigerator, so forth. And I thought about that. Sometimes in our lives, we feel there's a lack of power and that we need to get an alternate source of power to feed it back into the breaker box of our life so that we can keep those things going. Because it, the lack of power, it seems like it's unpredictable. The lack of, of joy, the lack of, of peace in our lives. We don't, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get, a, I'll get an alternate generator. I'll get an alternate power source. And I'll plug it into the box. It's designed to be fed from above from the power line, but I'll get an alternate generator and I'll feed power back through. Be careful. Be careful with that. It can work. You have to be careful in the physical realm, but even more so in the spiritual realm. The Lord is my light. You may be able to temporarily restore power, restore joy, restore happiness, whatever, but it's fleeting and it's dangerous because it's only temporary. And it can't really power your soul. It's just flickering lights. I used to see that when we went down to Mexico years and years ago before they had a real resurgence of, of their economy. And the lights would flicker. They would go out. Power would go out. Water would be unavailable for days and weeks at a time. Why? There's a problem with the authorities and their ability to keep the, the, the powers on. In our lives, sometimes that's the way it is. We're trying to create power, but the Lord is the strength of our life. You and I are not the strength. Our intelligence, our ability, our, our understanding, our experience is not the strength. It's the Lord. And because of that, I don't have to be afraid. Hold your place there. Look at, verse, uh, look at chapter 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. It's not that he provides strength for me. He is my strength. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. You see how we, we, we desire that rejoicing and that praise, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with it, but it is a byproduct of what God can give us. We're not producing this outside of the Lord. He is the one producing it. My heart is rejoicing. Why? Because it's trusting in Him. I'm helped. Why? Because the Lord is the one who is my strength and my shield. 
Christian, have you, have you recognized that your strength is not enough? Could it be that God allows us in a, in a cyclical pattern to learn that over and over and over and over and over again? And, 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 and we learn it in different ways and in different layers. Different parts of who we are learn that lesson. And it's a continual lesson that God is working in, in the rhythm of your life and mine to show us he is the power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Power for what? Power to live a life that could rejoice and trust and praise. A power, uh, the power to live a life that pleases God. And as a byproduct, by the way, pleases me. No, Lord, I'd rather just steal power from the power line and just run from the authorities anytime they come around. The Lord says, I'll, I'll give you that power, but you've got to trust in me. It doesn't come from you sucking it out of the power plant. It is sent to you by God. But here's, here's the difficulty. Back to chapter 27, verse 13. He said, I had fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, here's where it it, it gets difficult. I was about to faint unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. The belief comes before I see. I'm about to faint. I can't see God's goodness in my life. I I cannot see How this is good, Lord. This is not good. This does not make any sense. And and, and by the way, Lord, I can think of a lot of different ways that you could have done it and it wouldn't have been as bad as this. It would have been easier. You could have accomplished the same thing. Lord, truth be told, speaking sarcastically, maybe cynically as a believer sometimes, Lord, I could have taught myself this lesson if you'd just let me do it. The Lord knows that's not true. You know, he said, no, you don't know how to teach yourself this lesson. If, you, if you'd have known how to do it, you would have done it a long time ago. Because the truth of knowing that I'm supposed to trust in the Lord, that started way back when I got saved. I know that. But my flesh doesn't want to do it. So God is continually helping me to learn to trust him in the difficult circumstances of life. I call them irritations. The Lord calls them lessons. And he said, I had believed and I almost fainted. I almost lost consciousness. What is that? Well, it just means that you no longer care. You're apathetic. I'm not aware of what's going on. I'd rather just run to my cave as soon as I can. Just get me out of this weird place. Let me go back and just pretend for a few minutes, for a few hours, that nothing is really happening and it's not really real. That's fainting. That's a loss of consciousness. You don't want to be alive. You don't want to be out there on the front, on the front lines anymore. Why? It hurts. It hurts. Christian, I want to encourage you tonight. God does not intend for you to stay in the cave the rest of your life. I'm not saying that get out of the cave. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God didn't intend for you to live a life of non-consciousness, of unconsciousness. God intends for you to do what? To see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He wants you to see that God is alive, that God is light, and in him dwelleth no darkness at all, that he is not death, he's not dying. He is alive forevermore. Eternal life, abundant life is what God wants us to have. But if you faint, you will not be able to believe to see the goodness of the Lord. He continues in verse number 14. He said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. God is the strength. He is the one that strengthens us. And then he reminds us again, verse 14, wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait. Wait for what? Wait for God to strengthen our heart. Wait for God to show us his goodness in the land of the living. You realize that when you leave this world, when you die, 
you won't have to wait anymore to see the goodness of God. You will never have to wait in that sense anymore. Why? When you get around the throne of God, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no sin. That's what causes us to wait. The reason why we have these waiting periods is is a result of sin. It really is. Things have to get fixed. Why do things get broken? Because of sin. We have to wait for the harvest. Why do we wait in the harvest? Because of the curse. It's a constant theme in the word of God. Wait, 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 wait. Look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse number 3. He says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also. So trust, verse 3, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When? When? It doesn't tell us when. He just said, if you trust me, you're going to be fed. If you delight in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him. Why does he have to keep saying that over and over again? To trust him. Because the alternative is so accessible. It's so easy for me to trust myself. Because I've been trusting myself ever since I knew what was going on. And frankly, (laughs) it hasn't worked out that great for me. But I care more about myself than anybody else does, I think. And so I keep trusting myself. The way I was raised, what I, the patterns of thought that I have, the habits that I have, the actions I take, the way I feel, my mental rhythm, I just know how I work, and so this is how I work. And the problem with that is, it's never really brought me what I want, but it's just handy. It's right there. It's like a high heel shoe when you're trying to drive a nail. I don't have a hammer around, but there's a high heel shoe. And these women shouldn't be wearing such high heels anyhow. It's ridiculous. I'll just use it as a hammer. It never works very well. Why did I even pick it up? Which, by the way, I don't think I've ever done that. But why would I ever do that? Because it's handy. Why do we trust in ourselves? Because we're real close. Because our mental patterns are handy. They've got handles on them. We've been using it for so long. That's why he has to keep coming back and saying, Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He says in verse number uh, six, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. We don't have the time to go there, but you remember the psalmist talks about those that wait for the day, those that that mourn in the the nighttime and wait for the day. You know, have you ever been miserable at night? You woke up at three and now you know you're awake the rest of the night. You ever had that? And it doesn't matter how much you wish the sun to move quicker, it doesn't move quicker. Why? There's nothing you and I can do to make it shine anymore. It's, it's just, we have to go through it. And that's what he's saying. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. It's coming according to his rhythm, his timetable, not according to my timetable. So what, I'm supposed, what am I supposed to do? I guess I'm just supposed to be miserable until it's the day again. Here's, he gives us an alternative in verse number 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. If I'm truly waiting, let's say, men, I'm going to talk about this, and, and this, is, this is a story about a friend. I, 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 I can't tell you the man's name, but this friend used to sit in the car uh, or used to go into the store with his wife and, and try to help her shop. And he realized, this friend of mine, uh, that the wife didn't re- his wife didn't really want his help shopping. And so, and this friend, uh, great guy, he, he said, he said, I just was, I wanted to help her so we could get done quicker and we could go, you know, back to the ranch. But this friend of mine said that his wife didn't, didn't want to hurry up. And so he had two options. One, he could keep trying to help her see the error of her ways. And my friend said that didn't work very well at all. Because my friend said, uh, this guy that I know, he said he, 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 didn't, 
he didn't get a good response when he tried to help her hurry up. And so this friend of mine said that he made a decision that he was going to stop trying to make this, uh, this is my friend and his wife, um, to make her stop hurrying up. Because he, he never did make her hurry up. This friend of mine, he said, uh, she didn't hurry up. But if, if this friend said, if he ever did get her to move along quicker, by the time she got in my friend's car, she was not happy at all. And so my friend recommended to me, I, I listened to his story. Uh, he said, I recommend not trying to hurry your wife up. And uh, that's why I learned from him. I said, I'll never do that. And uh, I, I never have done that. I've just always been very patient. And um, because <laughs> it's kind of stupid, isn't it? You know, what, you know what I realized? What my friend realized? I'm sorry, my friend realized. <laughs> is that there was another option. He could think about something else while he waited. He could actually sit in the car and look at his phone or read a book or go on a walk or talk to someone. He could actually take his attention and direct his attention somewhere else rather than on, when are you going to be done? And you know what happens when you distract yourself and you think about time moves differently. They say a watched pot never what? Never boils. That's not actually true, but it sure seems like it's true. Because when you're going through a difficult time, you want to stare at that thing and you want to say, this is ridiculous, get it over with. What can you do? Well, you can do what he tells us here. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Well, how could I, what, what, what would I do? What would I do? Well, I could look at it this way. I could say, in verse number three, the Lord's trustworthy. The Lord's trustworthy. I can trust him. I can say in verse number four, this is great, Lord, that you care enough about me to work in my heart. You said you would begin that good work and that, that you would never stop until the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. It's great that you care about how, you know what I'm going to do, Lord? I figure it's just not my way, it's your, it's your way, so I'm going to take my way and I'm going to give it to you, verse number 5. And I'm going to trust that you're the one that's going to bring it to pass. This is hope for the hurting. You, re- you realize all the, the reasons why the psalmist declares and commands these things, because there are legitimate problems in this person's life. There's difficulties that are weighing them down. Very difficult things are happening. It's not because this person is on this high plane and he's just on fire for God, whatever that means. And so now that they're on fire for God, now they trust the Lord. Now they commit their way to the Lord because they're doing everything right. And what else is there to do but just go up, up, up? Well, let me ask you that. How does that explain people who are afraid of the wicked who are prospering? In verse number 7. How does it explain people who are concerned about whether or not they're going to get their desires? These these are not polished soldiers. These are hurting people. And God is there for them. God is helping them. Let's go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. He says in verse number 10, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Can you think back to a time when your heart was clean and your spirit was right? Maybe it was today. You and I have a responsibility about our heart and our spirit. We don't have the capability of fixing it, per se. But we we do have a responsibility. You know the reason why we feel the way we feel? Because our spirit is affected by circumstances, by songs, by conversations, by television shows, by weather, by interactions with idiots sometimes. Our spirit is affected by this. 
And he's asking here, Lord, would you renew a right spirit? I want to think right about this. Go to the book of Proverbs. Look at chapter 16. Six, Proverbs 16.32. 16.32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Proverbs is a very practical book, and it emphasizes our responsibility over our helplessness. Psalms has a tendency more to, in general, emphasize our inability and God's strength and ability. There is a combination of those things. What is my responsibility? My responsibility is to come back to the Lord, Psalm 51, and say, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Why? Because I know that my spirit is not ruling my city right now. I know that I'm wide open. I hear something on Facebook. I have a conversation with my mother or sister or brother or neighbor, and, 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 or I hear something on the radio, and, and I'm just devastated. I'm blown about with every wind of doctrine. I have a responsibility to rule my spirit, but I can't do it. God, you have to renew that right spirit within me. And what is a right spirit? It is when my spirit is resonating, is, is bearing witness with the spirit of God. That God is running my city and I will operate in his power. I will go in the corners of my heart and my feelings and I will say that is not, that feeling is not from God. My responsibility is to rule my spirit being deputized by the law of God. I go around and I find any thought that does not obey Jesus Christ and I bring it into captivity. He says in, in Proverbs 25, Verse 28, Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Broken down and without walls. You know that you're broken down and without walls when statements or ideas and concepts that you know are not true have more effect in your heart than those that you know are true. When you know that you're, you're being affected by the way someone else is acting, and you know it's wrong, but you can't fight it, you know that your spirit is broken down. What you need to do is go back to God and say, God, I need you to renew that right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Now, I'm glad to tell you, you don't have to ask God to give you the new nature. If you're saved, you've been sealed into the day of redemption. But you can ignore and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And if you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that means you, your spirit and the God's spirit are like this inside of you. God's spirit hasn't changed. How do I know what he wants me to do? The word. Here's a very practical thing you can help, help you to understand. Your attitude towards the Bible will determine your attitude towards God himself and then towards the world in general. Your attitude towards the Bible is what determines it. If you're going to renew a right spirit within you, if God's going to renew it, it's going to be in his word. The spirit and the word are one. And so if you're, going to, if you're going to have a right spirit and you're going to get that thing fixed, you're going to have to bring your heart and mind back into alignment with the Bible. Question, when did you read your Bible last? If you're not reading your Bible, you're going to have a city that is broken down without walls. Your spirit is going to be, it's, it's going to be the target of every evil spirit in the neighborhood. It's going to come after you. And what's crazy about humans? We seek after our own destruction. We know that's going to hurt us. We know if we go and look and check that out, it's going to bother our spirit. Right? I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about you know that she is not living right, but you just want to check out what she's doing on social media. You know that that person is, is a, a God-hater and is wicked and is not serving God, some, some pop star, but you're drawn to her songs. You, you know that she drags you down, but you go to it. Why? 
Because your city is broken down without walls. You know what happens in a neighborhood when, when people don't stand up for it? People start attacking it. You'll have an empty building, and because no one's in there, someone will throw one rock through a window, and now it's fair game for every punk that walks by. They gang, it, they, people gang up on victims. They gang up on the downtrodden. Devils are the same way. They gang up on you. You don't, you don't even realize. And here's the crazy thing about being a human with the old nature. We gang up on ourselves. We do things that are harmful. I say it kind of in jest, but why do we chew our fingers? Why, why do we chew? I had a, a dentist tell me, you've got to stop chewing the inside of your mouth. You could get cancer. I wasn't thinking about that. It's just a habit. Why am I chewing my body? You think about that. It's no different for people who are stressed out all the time and you do things that are stressful. You know what's going to happen if you listen to that music, if you watch that show. You know what's going to happen if you go and talk to that person or hang out with that person. You know what's going to happen. It always happens. Why do you do it? Because you're a city that's broken down without walls. You have no defense. And don't worry, the weeds will grow. You never have to plant weeds. They just show up. But in our lives, you don't have to plant bad thoughts. You don't have to plant bad habits. You don't have to plant depression, anxiety-inducing thoughts. They just come out of where? We don't even know where they come from. My guess is they're the fiery darts of the wicked. Hope for the hurting. Where is it going to be found? It's going to be found in having a right spirit. Now, I want you to go to one final place tonight. More than likely, uh, this will be the last one because there's no way we can get through all of these. But I included all of them because I think each of them are helpful. Go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Verse number 26. And, the, and, and this whole passage is, is very helpful. But I want you to see verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth. Just, just remember, this is what your flesh and your heart do because of the fall. It shouldn't be a surprise. I'm discouraged. I'm apathetic. I don't really care. I'm mad. I'm, I'm, I'm really irritated and irritable. It shouldn't be a surprise. This is what your flesh and your heart do. They fail. Not everybody goes into their, into their you know, bedroom, shuts the blinds, and turns on their white noise machine and, and sleeps you know, 17 hours in, in a row while secretly looking at their phone under the covers. Not everyone does that. Some people get up and go out and try to take the world by the tail and shove things around and get mad. Some people ruin relationships. Some people have a hard time just dealing with normal things. Some people get drunk. No one here would ever get drunk. Some people smoke. No one here would ever smoke, of course. All humans deal with things in a certain way. Why? Because your heart and your flesh fail you over and over and over again. It just happens. You're not trying to do it. You can have a wonderful Sunday in the Lord's house and then Monday be the worst day you've ever had in your life. And by the time Wednesday comes along, you think, there ain't no way God has anything to say about this problem. It's just not, I mean, church is good and all. You ever felt that way before? The devil will fight you. He will fight you on that. And your flesh will fight you. Why? It's what it does. He said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but... But that word is so helpful when we think about it. God does not leave us where we are. He says, here's the opposite of that truth. God is the strength of my heart and my portion for how long? Forever. Until I get to a certain point and I no longer need God's help? No. Throughout eternity, you and I will be dependent on the strength of God. We will never get to a point where we switch over to our alternate power source, and now we are going to be the strength of our heart. No, God is the strength of my heart forever. You can lock that in, Christian. 
Lock it in. I will need God the rest of eternity. God doesn't want me to develop independence from him. He wants me to develop dependence on him. So if you can remember that. See, what happens is as time goes on, we start getting irritable. Because we get to a point where we think, man, everything was hitting on all cylinders when we were 18. Physically, maybe. But you were an idiot. You had no money. You didn't have, you weren't married. You hadn't been able to establish a long-term relationship with anyone. Physically, you might have been at your peak at your prime. But see, we're always thinking, well, I'll get to the point where I don't need anybody else. Isn't it true that even in your prime, you realized how weak you were and how much you needed from someone else? Right? But then we get those things, and we wish we had that back. And we're constantly looking for something to disconnect us from our need for God. And God is supposed to be the strength of our heart forever. So your rebel heart says, no, he ain't. I'll do my own thing. I mean, I love God and all, but I connect to his power. And, 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 and some, some people think, I'm helping God out. How foolish is that? It's like me going down to you know, the power company here and saying, hey, I got a generator. You guys need any extra power? Like, no, thank you. Thank you. We're doing fine. That's me in my Christian life thinking that somehow I'm going to add to God. If I could just get back to a certain thing and I could just generate a feeling that gets me back to where I was with God. Forget it. You're not a power company. God is the strength of your heart forever. So receive that power. It's free. <laughs> it's different from the power here in Toledo. Look at verse number 26, he said, God is the strength of my heart. Verse number 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. When's the last time you told people, I'm just so grateful for what God has done, for what God is doing? You will only really be able to say that honestly when you can say, I have drawn near to the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord. It's good for me. It's good for me to draw near. How near are you to God? What's interesting about drawing near to God You and I draw near to God based on how good we think it is for us to do so. Your flesh will tell you, I don't need to read my Bible. I've been reading it three days in a row. I'm actually doing pretty good. My batteries are all charged up. So on those days, it's not good for you to draw near to God. Well, no, I mean, it was good for me. it, it, It was good for me last week. If you're going to draw near to God, you need to be able to say, it is good for me to draw near to God. Every day, drawing near. How is it possible that we have distance developed from God in just a few short hours? It's just our heart. Our flesh and our heart fail. Constantly drifting away. When I was a kid, I used to watch my parents drive or adults drive the car, and I remember thinking, I guess, you know, you're just supposed to get in and, like, do this, because that's what I see them do. And, you know, sometimes you'll see kids do that, and, of course, that's the most dangerous thing you can do in the world when you're driving. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is take your hands off the wheel. No, that's just as bad. Why? Because that natural drift occurs. Before you know it, you'll be, you'll be dead. You know what you need to do? You need to take that heart by the hands and say, it's good for me to stay on the highway here. The natural drift says, let's just calm down. Let's just, let's just relax. No, I can't do that. Why? This is, this is a dangerous place to be right now. I'm going 65 miles an hour. Always the speed limit. 65. Amen? And I'm driving down the highway... And, and there, are, there are people going by, animals going by at 95 miles an hour. It's a dangerous place. You get on a two-lane road where people are going, one's going this way, one's going that way. 
just a tiny little thing, and you're dead. So what should you do? Well, you should grab that wheel, and you should hang on. You'll wear yourself out. You'll wear yourself out trying to become spiritual in one moment. What you should do is just sit back, relax, keep your hand on the wheel. The driver teacher instructor, he'd tell you 10 and 2, baby. Both hands on the wheel. But whatever is necessary, the important thing is that you remember, your heart will naturally drift. All you have to do is bring it back. Bring it back. Christian, where are you tonight? Are you discouraged? Do you feel far from God? Do you feel overwhelmed? I don't know where you are. The Lord has just reminded me of so many people, so many I've heard today of burdens that you're bearing, challenges you're facing. And uh, my intention here is not to do anything but to encourage you and give you hope in the Lord. Turn to him tonight. Turn to him. We're going to pray here in a moment. And when we do, you need to open your heart up to God. When do you talk to God for real? You've got to talk to God. You've got to put your trust in him. And then say, Lord, I want you to renew a right spirit in me. With the struggles and pressures I'm facing, I cannot keep this city safe. I can't vouch for what I don't know what I'm going to do. God, you have to help me. Renew that spirit so I can protect my emotions, protect my actions, protect my thoughts. And then, Lord, I want you to know this. You are the strength of my life. I'm trusting in you to give me strength every day. And I can guarantee you this. If you'll wait on him and rest patiently in the Lord, the Bible says he will renew your strength. And you'll be able to run and not grow weary. You'll be able to walk and not faint through this wicked world. Christian, there you'll join with a lot of saints who have proven that God is trustworthy. He does care about you. He does want to help you. You are going to be okay. But you got to trust in him.